0: Love talk radio. Hello, and welcome
1: to go for it. I am your host, Paul Gannon. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com. That's blogtalkradio.com. That's You can send messages to the show on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. You can hit us up here on the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash p Listen to the show. Hit us up on the chat room. Have a good old time talking sports and having fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Boxer. Devin Alexander. Devin Alexander has a big fight. Khan. I mean, this is a big fight for Devin Alexander. Probably the biggest fight of his career. So he's going to be facing Amir Khan. And who knows? Oscar De La Hoya is saying possibly the winner of this fight could get Floyd, Money, and Mayweather. So that's big. It doesn't get any bigger than that when you talk about the sport of boxing. Floyd Mayweather is the cash cow. He's the cash cow of boxing. He is the money maker. You want to make money? Fight Floyd Mayweather. You want to expose? Fight Floyd Mayweather. And so he's that guy. He is that guy. So this fight's big for Devin Alexander, big for Mirkon. Khan. has Khan has been, been calling out. Floyd Mayweather for a long time now. Been wanting Floyd Mayweather for a long time. And, you know, as I said, being that... ...on May- basis. No one's watched Kevin Love on a consistent basis except Timberwolves, Timberwolves fans. No one. So it, it's a process. And, and anyway, my point is... In some respect, maybe these guys have to get used to playing with that bullseye on their back because you're going to get everybody's best effort. LeBron James is going to get everybody's best effort. The Cavaliers are going to get everybody's best effort. And you remember back in 2011, I don't even think LeBron James was truly ready for having that bullseye on his back. I don't think he truly was ready for it it was an adjustment period for him. And and I remember him saying that he played angry that first season in Miami. He played angry. And he's not at his best when he's playing angry. But he played angry in Miami. And in the course of playing angry, he said he wasn't at his best. But you look at the Miami Heat, and I'm not, I'm just looking at the two teams, and, and again, I think the Miami Big Three is better than this Big Three. You're talking about a prime D Wade, you're talking about a prime Chris Bosh, and a prime LeBron James. I think that team was better. Of course, I think that was be- they were better. And I'm not saying LeBron James has lost a step at all, but those teams were better. Three, that Big Three was better than this big three right here. But Miami, the first year they got together, they got off to a slow start. At one point, they were 8-7. and seven. And all the talk you kept hearing, who's going to close games? And remember, it's funny, they lost to Utah too, that team. And LeBron hasn't had the most success in Utah. But anyway, they got off to a slow start. 10-8 after 18 games. From there, they went a little tear a big time tear. I mean, from there they won 19 of the next 20 games. So they were they they, they went on a huge tear. I mean, they got super hot. And you know, I, I'm looking at this Cavalier team and I'm thinking this thing might not start off too well, but it's probably going to end a lot better than it started. And it's going to take time for this whole thing to come together. It's going to take time for this whole thing to to be right. It's going to take time. It's not going to happen tomorrow, and it's going to take time. And, you know, reports are LeBron James and Kyrie Irving had some words at after the Portland game where they got blown out. And last night Kyrie was big time in terms of the points, but he had no assists. And, and so Kyrie Irving is used to playing a certain way, Kevin Love is used to playing a certain way. Deion Waiters is used to playing a certain way. Kevin Love, he was the man in Minnesota. That was his team, his team. So when it's your team, you're you're used to taking the bulk of the shots. You're used to the offense running through you. And now, you know, he has to adjust his game. Kyrie Irving. He has to adjust his game. He is used to the ball and and the offense running through him. He's used to to, to putting up a lot of shots. And last year, look at, for example, you look at Kevin Love. Last year, with the Minnesota Timberwolves, he averaged 18 shots a game. Well, he's now down five shots with the uh, Cavaliers. So, Last year he shot 18 times a game on average. This year he's shooting 13 times a game. So, again, it's a difference. He's used to shooting the ball more. When he, was with the, when he was with the T-Wolves, he shot the ball more. Now he has to make the adjustment because he's playing with LeBron James. He's playing with Kyrie Irving. He has to adjust his game. That takes time. That takes time. That doesn't happen. Overnight, it doesn't. It doesn't happen overnight. That takes time. That takes more than a preseason. Kyrie Irving, he's used to, I mean, last year he averaged 18 shots a game. Year before that, close to 18 shots, 17.4. His second year in the league, he averaged 18 shots a game. So the point is, he's used to taking a lot of shots. And I said that 18 shots, that's this season he's averaging 18 shots a game. But before that, I mean, that's around his average. His career average is 16.9. So that's close to his average. He's used to taking the bulk of the shots. And so he's got to change his game. He has to augment his game. That's a process. That's a process, especially when you're used to playing a certain way. He was used to playing a certain way all those years. And when, when you're the guy in Cleveland and, You know, you're losing, and sometimes when you're the guy on a bad basketball team, you're used to taking a lot of shots, and sometimes those shots are bad shots. Well, those shots could be better. Those shots could be better. And LeBron's averaging 18 shots a game. And and that's his his career average is 19.9 in terms of shots per game. He's averaging 18.8, so he's down a shot per game in terms of his career average. I mean, they have to work this out. And, and, again, new coach, new players. I mean, the core of this team is new. The core of this team is new. LeBron and Kevin Love, new. Sean Marion, a bench player, he's new. Mike Miller off the bench, he's new. Deladova, another guy, he's new. I mean, they're new. They're new. And, and everybody has to mesh and everybody has to, 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 to bring their games together, and that takes time. Chemistry takes time, and this is della Vadova's second year with the Cavaliers. He is not new. But, the, again, it takes time for all these things to mesh and come together, and those things don't happen overnight. Let's get a coach's perspective of this. We're going to bring in now St. Peter's basketball coach, assist St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach, excuse me, Marlon Gill. Let's bring him in now.
0: Marlon. Paul, how's it going, man? How's everything?
1: Everything is good. How are you?
0: I can't complain, man. Ready for our season to start up. But, you uh, know, it's always a pleasure to come join you. For sure. Marlon,
1: let's get right down <laughs> to it. We saw last night Cleveland lost to Utah. Cleveland now 1-3. and three. Got blown out the other night. By the Portland Trail Blazers, lost opening night at home to the New York Knicks. Your New York Knicks, and, and this team right now, they're they're, they're struggling. They're, they're having some chemistry issues at this point. As a coach, tell us what you see.
0: Uh, I just see guys that all have to get on the same page. It's not going to happen overnight, you know. And, and unfortunately, as sports fans, that's just how we think. You know, when teams are put together. We just want everything to come so quickly, and it doesn't work out that way. I mean, you look at the Lakers when they first got together with Shaq, Kobe, and Phil and all those guys, it it didn't click right away. But once they figured it out, you saw what the end outcome could be. Now, obviously, you know, Cleveland, there are a lot of similarities, but then there are also a lot of differences uh, from those Laker teams. I mean, with the Cavs, you have guys that they don't know how to win yet. You know, Kyrie right. Irving doesn't know how to win yet. He hasn't been in a winning situation. Uh, Deion Waiters hasn't been in a winning situation. Tristan Thompson hasn't been in a winning situation. So, and and, and even Kevin Love, you know, for as good as he right. is, he's never been to the playoffs. So these are all guys that they have to figure it out. And, and you got to take some bumps. Uh, you know, one in three is probably what they didn't expect. Um, but I think as the year goes on, I'd say give them about 15, 20 games. And, and by, by the middle middle of uh, December, I think you'll see a different Cleveland Cavalier team.
1: And, and you talked about, you look at these guys. Kevin Love, he used to be the man with the Timberwolves, he was the man. Kyrie Irving, he's used to being the man as well. LeBron James, of course, he is the man and used to being the man. Which one of these guys do you believe has to make the biggest
0: adjustment? Well, I'll say this, Kyrie and Kevin better figure it out real quickly because there's a guy that wears 23 that's the best player in the league. They have to adjust to him. And I know that he says this is Kyrie Irving's team and things of that nature. Not really. LeBron's the best player in the league, so those two guys have to figure him out.
1: We're talking to St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach Marlon Gill getting his take on what he sees with the one and three Cleveland Cavaliers. Okay, they're 1-3 and three at this point. Obviously, this is going to be a playoff team. Obviously, at the end of the day, this is probably going to be a 50-plus win team. At what point do they finally get this thing right? At what point does this
0: click? Uh, I, I would say this. You look at last night's game as an example of it's going to start to click sooner than later, and I think a big adjustment was bringing Dion Waiters off the bench. Um personally if if you ask me, I don't think Dion Waiters will be there by February. I I think he'll end up being traded. Uh that that's just how how I feel. I, I think Dion's a guy that needs the ball in his hands. And obviously, you know, LeBron can defer to Kyrie. Kyrie's talented enough to take on whatever LeBron can't handle. And Kevin Love the same way, but I, I think a guy like Deion Waiters, who, who's a talent, but uh, for him to figure it out, I don't think they'll have the time or they'll wait for him to figure it out. But right. bringing him off the bench, and they went with a bigger bigger lineup last night to start the game off with Kyrie at the point, playing LeBron at the two, Sean Marion at the three, uh, with Kevin Love and Anderson and I think you have to stick with that lineup. And, you know, Dion for right now has to embrace that role as being a six-man, being a, a spark plug, uh, a la J.R. Smith a couple years ago when he wasn't doing nonsense, and, and really <laughs> a, a, embrace that role and, and take it head on. Because you look at what they have, I mean, on their bench, you, you have a guy like Dion Waiters who can score. Then you have somebody mm-hmm. like Brendan Haywood who, who's proven uh, – Tristan Thompson, who I think, uh, if Anderson out just got thirty million for three years, Rich Paul is going to get Tristan Thompson thirteen million a year, hands down. Just off of his performance against Chicago with the twelve offensive rebounds, and these are all young guys with uh, that you can add into bring into your system and, and help you get some wins. I, I think. You know, last night, bringing Deion off the bench was a start with them to get this thing rolling. Um, I, I read somewhere where LeBron was going with an almost nonverbal approach and, and having these guys figure things out. I just think that's the, the to- totally the wrong way to go about doing it. Um, Le- LeBron is a guy that he has to talk and, and let these guys conform to how he wants things to go. And once they figure that out, I I think you'll see them turn things around. And I'd say give them by December.
1: We're talking to St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach Marlon Guild. Bottom line,
0: point blank, is this a championship caliber
1: basketball team?
0: I think so. I think the biggest competition that they'll have in the East is probably Chicago once Derrick Rose gets healthy. Uh... Uh, and if, and he can so
1: stay
0: far, if, if he can stay healthy, very true. I'm just going to go off on a little side note for all these guys that are signing big time contracts that don't really deserve it. Can you imagine what Jimmy Butler's about to get? For sure. It, it, you know, just my thought process. But I think the Bulls will uh, will challenge them, and I even think once Bradley Beal gets healthy, the Wizards will challenge them as yeah. well. uh, yeah. uh I, I really like what John Wall's becoming. The pickup of Paul Pierce was huge. Uh, Their the front line is, is pretty good, so you know I think watch out for Washington as well.
1: Definitely, I totally agree with you. Miami as well as, a, as as kind of a dark horse, but I don't think they have enough. But they're going to be a tough out no matter who they play in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, it, it should be interesting to see what happens. How about your Knicks? Do you put them in that mix?
0: Uh, You know what? The Knicks right now are in that second tier of teams in the East. Uh, I think if they can get a 5-6 seed, that should be an accomplishment on the season uh, okay. for them. You know, they didn't play too well last night against Detroit, who I think Detroit might have the best front line in the league with Josh Smith, Greg Monroe, and Andre Drummond. Uh, but, you know, the Knicks are – you know, they're figuring it out. And I'll say this, when they run the triangle to perfection, it's basketball at its finest. Uh, and, you know, with, with that, they're still letting Melo get his ISOs, but everybody's touching the ball. And that's so important when everybody can touch the basketball because it doesn't force a guy to say, oh, wow, if I have the ball, now i got to get a shot. It, yeah. You know, and it's it's almost like sweet, sweet music, you know, so, so to speak. Um, but – I look at them as a five-six seed, uh, you, you know, with Cleveland, Chicago, Washington, uh, Charlotte being those top guys, and you know, I, I look at the Knicks, Atlanta, uh, Miami, you know, being in that second-tier teams in the East.
1: Now you're about to start your your college basketball season soon, St. Peter's College. Uh, you're excited about the season.
0: Oh, very much so, man. we we got five seniors, um, and it's almost similar to the team that we had in 2011 that went to the NCAA tournament. So we're definitely excited on what we have a chance to become. Now, obviously, we've got some work to do. Uh, we've got a couple new guys, and you got to incorporate them into your system and what we're trying to do. But, you know, very, very, uh, very optimistic about what we have a chance to do here.
1: Sounds good. Marlon? Thank you for your time, man. Appreciate it. Look forward to doing it again.
0: Nah, no problem, man. As always, it's a pleasure, man, and uh, thanks for having me. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.
1: St. Peter's College assistant basketball coach Marlon Guild. great to get his take, great to get a coach's point of view on this particular situation with the Cavaliers at this point in time. Again, off to a slow start, one and three, but there's 78 more games play 78 keep that in mind so there's a lot of basketball to be played a lot of things to happen and that will happen that can happen over the next what six seven next six months six seven months a lot of basketball man it's a lot of basketball so you know it's good for what we do in talking sports and having fun doing it it's good for that but at the end of the day there's a lot of basketball to be played a lot of things to happen, a lot of things to be sorted out. So by the time all those things, we'll have a better idea by the all-star break. And, you know, we'll have a much better idea by the time April comes and the playoffs are here in our face. So, but again, a team with the talent that they have, they're going to figure it out. It's just a matter of when they figure it out, but they're definitely going to figure it out for sure. They're going to figure it out. And, you know, And then they're going to be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. The question is, where will they be at in terms of will they be the top team? Will the the Chicago Bulls ultimately be the top team? The Washington Wizards playing some good basketball. Toronto, I think, is going to be an interesting team. And also Miami. I think they're a team that, you know, they're they're going to be in the mix as well. They're going to be a tough out for whoever they play, especially. And it, it all comes down to health. If especially if D Wade is healthy, especially if Chris Bosch is healthy, I mean especially if they're big guys, they're money guys, stay healthy. And, and and that question and the biggest question probably again it goes to D Wade if he can stay healthy. And and that's going to be the key. That's going to be the key. Can he stay healthy? And it, it seems like we've been talking about this forever when it comes to D Wade, but it's just a reality of his situation, the reality of his life, of his basketball life, I should say, his health, and will his health hold up. And that's going to be the key in whether or not the Miami Heat is a basketball team that can make some noise in the Eastern Conference. That's going to be the key. But we'll see what happens. Again, a lot of basketball to be played. Great football game tonight, um, Thursday night football. I know a lot of us, like myself, I, I'm having a difficult time getting used to Thursday night football. Sometimes, I mean, I've, I'm one of those guys who believe less is more. But, again, football is football. NFL football is NFL football. So, of course, I'm going to be watching this. So this is a big-time football game. And and it has some playoff. I mean, it's still early and a lot of football to be played. But, you know, these are two of the top teams in the AFC North. And the AFC North, AFC North is a division where every football team is above 500, every team is above 500. Seven, uh, five and two Bengals, six and three Steelers who are on a roll right now. Big Ben Roethlisberger, 12 touchdowns in the last two games. He's on a roll. He's super hot. Cleveland is five and three, and Baltimore has played some good football and five and four at this point in time. So this division, in and, and coming into this season, I think a lot of people said this was Cincinnati's division. This Cincinnati obviously was the favorite coming into the season in terms of this division. But, again, Pittsburgh is surprising some people, and, and that's on the strength of their offense. That's on the strength of Big Ben Roethlisberger and what he's doing and the numbers that he's putting up. I mean, he's putting up some big-time numbers, Big Ben. Big Ben is 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 throwing the football around and 12 touchdowns in the past two games. I mean, that's, that's impressive, and that's a hot football team with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I look at the AFC North. And and this is a division now. With with Cincinnati five and two, Pittsburgh six and three, Cleveland five and three, Baltimore five and four. So all these teams are, are are jockeying for position in the AFC North. It's an open it's a wide open division. It's a wide open division at this point. Wide open. Wide open. So I look at this football game tonight, and this is a big game. This is a big game and, and you probably wouldn't be saying When the season started, you probably wouldn't have pointed to this game in week 10, Browns-Bengals as a big game. You probably wouldn't have been pointing to this game and saying this is a big game. But this is a big game. And Cleveland, say what you will, these last few weeks, they've they've been a a team that's been feasting off some bad football teams and, you know, favorable schedule for the Browns. I mean – you look at their past five games, and they're 4-1 during that stretch. They beat the Titans in Tennessee, barely, beat the Steelers, and that victory looks good right now. I mean, they beat, the, dominated the Steelers, lost to the Jaguars in Jacksonville. That's a bad loss. But they came back and beat Oakland and beat Tampa Bay both at home. And so, you know, this is a team that's feasting on some bad football teams. Interesting, I'm I'm very interested to see tonight how they handle it tonight. I'm very interested to see how Cleveland plays tonight because Cincinnati is one of the better football teams in this league. So I want to see how Cleveland responds tonight and see if they're, are they for real on some level. I mean, I'm sure many of us thought at this point in time, many of us thought that Johnny Menzel would be playing right now. We we thought Johnny football would be playing. We thought, we thought Johnny football would be on the field, slinging it around and running around. We thought Cleveland would be off to a bad start, and we thought at this point, I mean, a lot of people were saying, after the buy in week four, after the Browns buy in week four, we would see Johnny football week five. But as the season goes along, we probably won't see Johnny football this year. There's a good chance that we won't see Johnny football in 2014 unless Brian Hoyer goes down with an injury. With Brian Hoyer, though the offense has struggled a little bit the past few weeks, Brian Hoyer, numbers wise, is having a decent year. 10 touchdowns, only four interceptions, so he's protecting the football. 90 quarterback rating, decent. He's protecting the football, which is is the key. He's not turning the football over. He's not hurting his football team. But to this point, Brian Hoyer has played decent. I mean, and we probably won't see Johnny Manziel. Probably won't see him. And, you know, obviously, you know, coming into this season, we were all prepared to see Johnny Manziel, we were all looking forward to the time that Johnny Manziel would step on the scene. It hasn't happened. Probably won't happen. But you know, it's a it's, a, it's going to be an interesting few weeks for the Browns. Three of the next four games are on the road at Atlanta, at Buffalo, and tonight at Cincinnati, and they have a home game against the Texans. So the schedule is not the next four is not very daunting. I mean, Atlanta is not a good football team, but it's, it's a team with a, a a decent quarterback and a team that can score. They can put up points. Buffalo's solid, but it's winnable. Atlanta's winnable. The Texans, Ryan Mallett's the new quarterback. It's winnable. And tonight against Cincinnati, that's going to be a test. That's going to be a big test for this football team going to Cincinnati and see if they can uh, pull out the victory. After that, their final four, which is going to be tough. Their final four games is going to be tough. Indy at home, Cincinnati at home, and then at Carolina at Baltimore, and those and those are pretty good football teams. I know Carolina's struggling a little bit, but they're a decent football team. And Baltimore, five and four, they're a decent football team. So it, it should be interesting. It should be interesting to see what happens with the Browns. Very interesting and a big story coming out of that game. Devin Steele, his daughter Leah Steele, who's fighting cancer. Well, for the first time, she'll be able to see him play live, and so that's a, that's a big thing, and a lot of people are talking about that. And you know that's a, that's a that's a great story. It's a great story, and obviously, when you talk about cancer, it's always. A tough situation, but if you talk about cancer and children, it's even tougher to talk about in an even tougher situation, so, I mean, he's battling with her, and and she's fighting a good fight, and, you know, hopefully she beats this thing, I mean, you know, hopefully she beats it, hopefully she beats it, but, you know, obviously cancer is a difficult battle, but, you know, uh, let's enjoy the night, Uh, let her enjoy the night, and, and seeing her father play for the first time live I mean, let everybody enjoy the night, and it should be a great night in Cincinnati and a good football game, and a football game that that means a lot to both football teams. And we'll see who asserts themselves tonight. I actually like Cincinnati, and I think I actually like Cincinnati big tonight. I, I like Cincinnati to win this game big tonight. I mean, and, and I just don't know about Cleveland again. They they feasted on bad football teams over the past few weeks. They feasted on bad football teams. And and this is going to be a test. And, and winning in Cincinnati is not an easy task. It's not an easy task at all. It's not. It, it, it's a difficult task. And, and so we'll see if they're up for the challenge. We'll see if they're up for the challenge and up for, for being able to win in Cincinnati. I mean, uh, this is a team the Cincinnati Bengals, who have a decent home field and undefeated at home. They're they're undefeated at home, 4-0. So they're undefeated at home. They're a tough team to beat at Paul Brown Stadium. Tough team to beat. And we'll see if Cleveland can do it. They're, they're going to need a big performance out of Warrior. They're going to need a big performance out of uh, their run game. They're going to need everybody to, to come down there and to steal this victory. They're going to need a big performance out of everybody, and everybody's going to have to step it up tonight. I think with the emotion, with Devin Steele, I think with the home field advantage in Cincinnati, I think think the Bengals get it done tonight. Look forward to it. I'll definitely be watching. I'll be watching, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens tonight. Can't wait. Let's go to Mark Sanchez now in the Philadelphia Eagles. Mark Sanchez, as we know, stepped in last week for the Philadelphia Eagles after Nick Foles went down with the collarbone injury. Nick Foles will be out for the rest of the regular season, maybe back for the playoffs if the Philadelphia Eagles make it to the playoffs. And I think if the Philadelphia Eagles make it to the playoffs with eight games left, they're six and two. If they make it to the playoffs, more than likely they're, they're going to have to win ten to eleven games. So that's four that's winning at least four to five of their final eight games, if they make it to the playoffs, I don't think Mark Sanchez is going to be sat down. So I think we might have seen the last of Nick Foles in 2014 and may have seen the last of Nick Foles in the Philadelphia Eagles jersey moving forward. There are reports that the Eagles may have soured on Nick Foles a little. And and one thing about Nick Foles, I mean, throughout the course of this year, even though he's found ways to win football games for the Eagles and help the Eagles, and, and you could argue, well, special teams have stepped up. They made some plays, blocked a few punts. Sprawls returned a couple kicks. Um, the defense has made some plays, scored some touchdowns as well. You can argue that all these things and these outside things, I mean, you're not used to getting points. You know, you can't expect points from your special teams and defense on a consistent basis. But anyway, the Eagles 6-2, and two, and those two games that they lost, they easily could have won. And then you could argue on the other side that some of the games that they won, they easily could have lost. But I look at this Eagle team now and, and Mark Sanchez as the quarterback. First of all, first of all, I'm interested to see how Mark Sanchez does. Because this is an opportunity, a big opportunity, for Mark Sanchez. A a, a big opportunity for Mark Sanchez. Big opportunity. I mean, an opportunity now for Mark Sanchez to make money at the end of this offseason because if he's able to to string some good games together and and make some plays – for the Philadelphia Eagles, and put up some numbers. I mean, let's remember, Mark Sanchez is only 27 years old. So this is still a young guy. He's a young guy, and it seems like, I mean, Mark Sanchez has been around longer. It, it seems like, I mean, six years in the NFL, but it, it almost seems longer. It seems like Sanchez has been around forever. But he's only 27 years old. 27. So at the age of 27, if he can... Uh, have a good run, a good rest of this season into the playoffs and maybe win a playoff game or two, if he can do that, there's some money out there for Mark Sanchez. I mean, there there are teams who could use a quarterback, and one of those teams could be the Philadelphia Eagles when it's all said and done. I mean, if Mark Sanchez goes out and does what, you know, if if he goes out and plays well and performs well, if he performs well, there are teams – that could be in a market for a quarterback. There are teams out there that, that that could use a quarterback, and so Mark Sanchez might be the guy for some team next season. Could be the Eagles. Maybe the Eagles decide, hey, this is the guy that we want to keep moving forward, and and we want to you know put sign him to a contract and and keep him around. Maybe keep him around to a couple of years until we find that quarterback of the future. I mean, you look at. Teams that could use a quarterback. I mean, teams that could be in a market for a quarterback next season. Tampa Bay is a team that could be in a market for a quarterback next season. St. Louis, they could be in a market for a quarterback next season. And, and again, these teams, uh, they, they could go to draft route and, and might not even mess with Sanchez. But, I mean, there are teams who could use quarterbacks. Houston could use a quarterback. I mean, the, 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 Ryan Mallett started this weekend. So, Houston – could could use a quarterback. I mean, Tennessee is in the market for a quarterback. So these teams need quarterbacks. They need quarterbacks. And and Mark Sanchez, if he goes out and and, and plays well, if he he goes out and, and and puts up decent numbers and leads his Eagles this Eagle team to the playoffs, well, somebody might be willing to pony up some dollars for Mark Sanchez. So this is a big opportunity for him. This is a big opportunity for him. And obviously, as a player, you you don't want to see another guy go down for you to get your opportunity. But it is what it is. And and so this is an opportunity for Mark Sanchez to to resurrect his career on some level. Resurrect his career. This is an opportunity. And I remember – I remember – a few years back during the, the, that quote-unquote dream team that the Eagles put together in 2011 that fell apart and only won eight games and didn't make the playoffs, I remember so, oh, so well. But Vince Young, and, 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 you know, Vince Young, he had the whole situation with Jeff Fisher and the Titans, and, you know, that situation really didn't work out too well for him. But ultimately, V.Y. went to the Philadelphia Eagles, and I thought at the time it was a good mover, Vince, because it was an opportunity uh, to play under Andy Reid, a, a guy who knows a lot about the quarterback position, a, a guy who 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 uh, I think you can uh, honestly learn a lot about quarterbacks and, and learn a lot from uh, about being a quarterback from Andy Reid. So we see what Andy Reid has done with quarterbacks: resurrected, resurrected Michael Vick, you know, helped develop Donovan McNabb. We've seen it with Andy Reid. So I thought it was a great opportunity for Vince Young when he went to the Philadelphia Eagles in 2011 an opportunity for him under Andy Reid to resurrect his career. Well, it goes, Andy. He starts a few games for the Eagles, wins one, loses the next two, was one and two, wasn't that great. Ultimately, it really didn't pan out for V.Y. Didn't pan out for him at all. But you look at now, you look at the situation with Mark Sanchez, and and, and Mark Sanchez has an opportunity with this Chip Kelly off Again, easily, this team could be 8-0. I mean, San Francisco and, you know, some questionable play calling down at the goal line. And then coming back to follow, I mean, you come back a couple weeks later against Arizona and, you know, some questionable play calls down there at the goal line. And, you know, maybe the Eagles should have challenged. They didn't challenge. But, you know, ultimately they couldn't get one yard. They couldn't get that one yard. But at the end of the day, I mean, Nick Foles has been solid. But also at the same time, I'm not sure Nick Foles, he's not Chip Kelly's guy. And, you know, Tip Kelly says that anybody can run his offense. He can get any quarterback to run his offense. You don't necessarily need to be mobile. And I guess on some level there's some truth to that. But, I mean, you know, there still has to be portions of that playbook that can't be utilized because of Nick Foles' inability to run. I mean, he can't run. I mean, he's slow as molasses. He's a slow quarterback. He is. I mean, he's got uh, cement feet. You know, he can't can't move. So what I saw out of Mark Sanchez last week, I, I saw a couple decent passes. I know he had two picks, one that wasn't his fault. He could have had two other picks in that particular game. But at the end of the day, he was solid. Mark Sanchez was solid. And Mark Sanchez was at his best when he was supported by a run game, when he was grounded and pounding with the New York Jets he was at his best and he was leading his team to two AFC title games. That's when he's at his best when when he's protected by running game. And, you know, this season or or with the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, LaShawn McCoy seems to be picking it up a little more now. Jason Kelsey, they're all pro centers back. They're all pro guard. Evan Mathis is returning. And and Todd Harriman is out for the rest of the season with a set. But again, four fifths of their offensive line it's intact. And it's a very good offensive line. Jason Peters, Kelsey, um, Evan Mathis. I mean, these are guys who are at the top of their positions, you know, in this league, in the NFL. So it's a very good offensive line, one of the better offensive lines in football. So LaShawn McCoy now, he's a guy that can run the football. He's a guy who, who led the league in, in rushing last season. He the better running backs in this game. So Mark Sanchez will have support of a run game. And if the Eagles can get keep that run game consistent, and, and you know keep going with this run game and have success with this run game, because this Chip Kelly Chip Kelly offense is predicated upon being able to run the football. It's it's at its best when the football is being ran effectively, and we saw that last season. The football was being ran effectively by LeSean McCoy, and this offense was at its best. This offense is one of the better offenses in football because of LaShawn McCoy and his ability to run the football effectively. So you look at this Eagle team. Obviously, if Mark Sanchez can be protected with this run game, he's going to have success. He should have success. One thing I'll say about Mark Sanchez, when he's been asked to do more, it hasn't been good. And his career numbers, you look at his career numbers, well, this guy, 70 touchdowns, 71 interceptions. So he gives you, he gives, and he taketh away. He gives, and he taketh away. And and so Mark Sanchez now, he's a guy. If he can flourish in this offense, which is very possible, very possible, if he flourishes in this offense, and gets this Eagle team to the playoffs, and maybe gets a playoff game or two, then the sky's the limit in terms of money. The sky's the limit in terms of opportunity. And if he does that, we probably won't see Nick Foles, not only this year, in an Eagle uniform, but maybe never again. Maybe never again. And and that's that would be unfortunate for him. For him, because he's really, for the most part, has flourished in this offense. For the most part, he's had success in this offense. I mean, 27 touchdowns and two interception is the ultimate success. Now the question becomes, can Mark Sanchez lead this Eagle team to the playoffs? Can Mark Sanchez, of course he can. The better question is, will he lead this Eagle team to the playoffs? I, I, I had. The Cowboys coming into the season winning the NFC East and ultimately getting to the playoffs. The Eagles, it gets interesting for them. Their final eight games, Carolina at home on Monday night, that's going to be a tough football game. Carolina, in a lot of ways, are fighting for their season. That's going to be a tough football game. But a very winnable game for the Eagles. At Green Bay, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. And I think that's a game you have to pencil in as a loss. Tennessee at home—that's a very winnable game, and a game they should win. Dallas at Dallas on Thanksgiving—they'll probably split with the Cowboys. So I'll say that's a loss. Seattle coming to the link—interesting game, very interesting game. I mean, you look at the—you look at their next eight. And and I'm just gonna just quickly forecast these next eight for the Philadelphia Eagles. Carolina at home Monday night is a win. Seven and two. Green Bay's a loss, seven and three. Tennessee Tennessee's a win, eight and three. At Dallas is a loss, eight and four. Seattle coming to the link, eight and five. Dallas at home, Sunday night football, that's a win, nine and five. At Washington, ten and five. At the Giants, eleven and five. I think. I, I think the Philadelphia Eagles will be eleven and five by year's end, and and that should be enough to get them at least a wild card. Because I think Dallas is Dallas is going to be tough. Dallas is going to be tough. They're, they should beat Jacksonville. They probably should beat the Giants the next week after that. Dallas could easily go on a three-game winning streak. Easily go on a three-game winning streak. It's going to be interesting. I had Dallas winning the division at the beginning of the season. I think I'm going to stick to that. I guess I'm almost tied to that. But I have Dallas winning the NFC still. I have Dallas winning the NFC still. But there's a lot of football to be played. And, and, and if you're Mark Sanchez, again, this is exciting. This is exciting for you—an opportunity to resurrect your career, an opportunity to make some money. I mean, if you do what you what some what some people believe you're capable of doing, well, you can get this team to the playoffs, and you can make yourself some decent money. If, if he goes out and and plays some good football. And it's a big if. It's a big if. I mean, there's no no guarantees in, in, in this whole thing. It's a big if. It's a big if. Like I said, the Eagle schedule moving forward is a difficult schedule. The Eagle schedule moving forward will be tough. It's not easy. There are no gimme. You know, you have... You have um you have Tennessee, I mean that's that's a game you should win. You should beat Tennessee. You have some game you have some games that are winnable as the Giants at Washington, not very good football teams, but you know, Carolina this week is gonna to be tough. I, I I said it's a win, but that can easily be a loss. Easily. Easily. Because as I said, when talking about the Carolina Panthers and and, and talking about that football team, that's a team, Carolina, who, who's fighting to get into the playoffs, who's who still has a, a legitimate shot to win the NFC South. I mean, the NFC South is still, still winnable. The NFC South is still winnable. And we'll see. We'll see if the Carolina Panthers can turn this around. We'll see if the Carolina Panthers can get right. But, I mean, as, as bad as they've been in 3-5, guess what? 3-5-1, and one, they're half a game out of first place. So the, they're, they're right there. They're right there. So if they can turn their season around, they can win the NFC South. And, and just judging by the record, it seems like that might be their only way into the playoffs. Seattle 5-3, and three. Arizona 7-1. and one. I mean, Dallas and, and Philadelphia both have six wins. Green Bay has five wins. I'm just looking at the wild card teams. Seattle five wins. I mean, Green Bay five wins. Philly and Dallas six wins apiece, basically tied on top of the NFC East. Philadelphia on top in terms because, I mean, obviously they played – obviously they play less games than the Dallas Cowboys play less games than the Cowboys and so at this point i mean we'll see what happens we'll see what happens moving forward and i'm just interested man i mean i'm just interested to see what Sanchez is going to be i'm interested to see if Sanchez really can can really turn this thing around for himself and really, you know, really win, win. Really, can he do it? Can can he make the plays necessary? Will he be a turnover machine, which you've seen? You know, I mean, we look at 2012, the last time he was a full-time starter, 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions, but nine fumbles, including a butt fumble. And we always remember and can't forget the butt fumble. We'll never forget the butt fumble. It it it's, it's something that will be talked about for long periods of time. The butt fumble that was funny, but I mean, he he's a guy that's turned the football over. He's turned the football over, and and you can't turn the football over. You can't, and he's done that. He's turned the football over consistently throughout the course of his career. I mean, his best year, Mark Sanchez's best year, his best year was 2011, 26 touchdowns, but still had 18 interceptions. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of turnovers. That's a lot of picks. That's a lot of picks. A lot of picks. And, you know, I'm I'm interested, man. I, I, I really am interested to see how... It shakes out. I'm really very interested to see how it shakes out. And it's going to tell a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles season. It's going to say a lot about the Eagles season. Because the Eagles, if they want to go where they think, they can get to, Mark Sanchez is going to have to be a big part of that. Big part of that. But here's the reality of the situation: the Eagles don't have the defense that those Jets teams had when Mark Sanchez was getting to the AFC title games two years in a row. The, the Eagles don't have that type of defense. Their defense is opportunistic, but they don't have the type of defense that's going to rescue. You. I mean, this is not that Jets defense in those seasons. During those seasons, they have a defense that, I mean, again, opportunistic, can cause some turnovers, but they're not a dominating defense. Philadelphia Eagles do not have a dominating defense. I mean, they're near the bottom in terms of uh, passing yards and in terms of rushing yards on the defensive side of football. So they're they're not dominating by no stretch of the imagination. Played better over the last few weeks but not a dominating defense. And this team wasn't built in terms of a dominating defense. They're not built that way. This is an offensive football team. This team, I don't want to say they're built to outscore you, but defensively, you know, it's not a very good situation in Philadelphia. It's, it's Like I said, it's gotten better. They've gotten after the quarterback over the past few weeks. They, they seem to be improving, but it's not a dominating defense. You can get somewhere and score some points and put up some yards and move the football on this team. You can. You most definitely can. But it should be interesting to see how this thing plays out with Sanchez. Will he be Sanchez again? And I've I've always been not a fan of Mark Sanchez as a football player. I I just don't think – I've always said that the Jets would never win a Super Bowl – with Mark Sanchez as their quarterback. I, I just didn't believe it. I didn't see it. And I felt that by the time he improved, the Jets as a defense wouldn't be the same. But Mark Sanchez, in some respect, with the Jets, regressed. And, and in, in some respect, needed that change of scenery. Again, he's been to the AFC title game two times. And in those two games, had decent opportunities to win. I mean, Pittsburgh, they lost, they, they got, Pittsburgh jumped out early on that team and were dominating in that first half. But the Jets made a run near the end of that football game, but Jets did not have enough. enough. And then they get the Colts. They got out early. They got out early on the Colts in that AFC title game, but Peyton Manning is Peyton Manning and the Jets offensively. Mark Sanchez, just wasn't ready for that stage and did not, have enough. Did not have enough. Again, played well in that game. And they played very well. And and got out early. But they just did not have enough. And Mark Sanchez just didn't do enough and could not do enough to get the Jets over the top in that particular football game. Just not enough. And ultimately, they weren't able to win Ultimately, the Colts get to the Super Bowl and ultimately win the Super Bowl. Peyton Manning wins the Super Bowl. And, you know, we, we, we I mean, they got it, like I said, they got it early and had the chances and opportunities in that game. Couldn't finish the deal. Couldn't hold Peyton Manning in that offense. And Sanchez just could not make the plays necessary. I mean, they got it early. I mean, 14, what, 17-6. They got our early 17-6 in that game. And just, again, Mark Sanchez couldn't make the plays. He could not make the plays necessary in order for the New York Jets to win that football game. The second hour Go For It starts right now. Almeida, a.k.a. Corey, live host of Picture on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Second hour of Go For It starting right now. Hopefully in this hour, Uh we can get Devin Alexander, talk to him about his upcoming fight with Khan. Hopefully we can get him on in this second hour. Willie Rofe will be joining us in this second hour. So Devin Alexander and Willie Roof in the second hour. And, again, hopefully we can get uh, Devin Alexander on uh, in this hour. Hopefully. Reached out to him, trying to get him on. Reached Text him. We we texted him earlier. He said he was good to go. Now we're just waiting for Devin Alexander. Hopefully we can get Devin in this second hour. Adrian Peterson in. Adrian Peterson, as we all know, yesterday, well, he pled no contest. Uh, to those whole, so he pled no contest, and basically at this point, it's over in terms of legally. He's not going to jail, and, and you know, for him, I mean, I guess that's a decent situation. He avoided jail time, had a plea agreement, was able to avoid jail time. and And that's, for him, you know, obviously... I guess he really didn't want to go through, you know, all the things necessary. To go through a long trial, and then you know, it, it, he decided to do a known contest deal. So it was a plea deal, four thousand dollar fine, and he had to pay. That's not really a lot. He has to perform eighty hours of community service, and also they defer innocence for the next two years. And Adrian Peterson forfeits the right to appeal. So hopefully Adrian Peterson moving forward can, can you know, have a decent relationship with his his, his son, um, you know, salvage that relationship, you know, fix that relationship, make that relationship better. And as he said, I love my son more than any of you can imagine, and I believe that. I, I truly believe that. I don't think Adrian Peterson is a bad guy. I don't think it was, you know, I don't think it was a situation where, you know, he did it with malice in his heart. I think he was doing what he thought was the right thing to do with his son. And obviously there are many schools of thought when it comes to disciplining children. I mean, and, and you know, old biblical saying, spare the rod, spoil the child. Also, you know, a lot of people Grew up on switches and belts and things of that nature. I got hit by the belt. Never a switch, but the belt. I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. But Adrian Peterson, his situation. I mean, he used a switch with a four-year-old. That's something I wouldn't do. And and that's something that you know. In a lot of ways, it's 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 inexcusable. I would think it's inexcusable. But you know, what do I know? and the courts agree with me ultimately on some level. But, you know, this is an opportunity now for him, as I said before, when this whole thing happened, this is an opportunity for him to check himself and and to look at himself in the mirror and, 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 you know, become a better person moving forward, become a better parent moving forward, become a better parent. and, And, you know, he needs parental help, I think. You know, he needs to learn how to become a better father. Because I, I just think it's common sense that you don't hit a four-year-old with a switch. It's it's common. It's kind of common sense. It really is, and and so I think ultimately you hope that he learns. You hope that he becomes a better parent, a better person, and just moves forward with his life in positive ways. That's what you hope for Adrian Peterson. That's what you hope. But we'll see. Well, We'll see what happens. But I guess now the next thing in terms of Adrian Peterson is, will he play again this season? Well, the NFL now has this case. They're going to review it, and they're going to figure out what happens moving forward. They're going to figure out whether or not they feel like Adrian Peterson should play. Here's what I'll say to that. Here's what I'll say to that. I look at the situation with Adrian Peterson, and, and, and I look at you know, how things happened and how things transpired with this whole situation and the, the, the attention that this case got. And I look at the whole situation with Ray Rice and how many feel, felt like Commissioner Goodell got that wrong And, you know, judging by what we saw in that video, you could say that he did get it wrong. But judging and saying that, you know, looking at that whole situation and comparing it to this situation, the NFL called a lot of flack for letting, well, for only suspending Ray Rice two games. And so I think, and a lot of negative publicity. And I think at this point, the league may have learned from that. The league may have decided moving forward, they're going to do things differently. And I think the league, if they're smart, first, personally, I think he should be reinstated. I, I think you you could let the games that he missed his time served or, or, or force him to pay some kind of fine. Possibly somebody, you know, maybe he'll find, be fine. You know, they'll take some money for some of the game checks that he, he got while he wasn't playing. I mean, there's something along those lines. Personally, I think he should be allowed to, to, to play again. But if I'm the NFL, I wouldn't let it happen. I, I think if I'm the NFL – you know what, I shut this man down for the rest of the season, shut it down. I don't want the distraction. I don't want the publicity. I don't want any of that stuff. I'm going to shut that down for now. So I, I, I don't want to hear about this Adrian Peterson story. So I think if I'm the NFL, the best way to avoid all those distractions is to sit him down for the rest of the season, fight, the personal conduct policy, the new domestic violence policy. And, and you know, maybe you bide some time before you make your decision and, and sit him down. I, I think it's a, I think you've got to sit him down. I think it's in the best interest of, of the Vikings. I think it's in the best interest. Well, not necessarily the Vikings as a football team. I mean, obviously, you will want Adrian Peterson on the field because he gives you the best opportunity to win. But in terms of, of the, the public relations side of things, and, and looking at it from that standpoint, for the Vikings, I think it's a good idea to sit him down. Uh, from the league standpoint, I think it's a good idea to sit him down. Again, we all know we know about all the negative publicity and all the negative press that the league received when again they decided that two games was enough for Ray Rice. Well, and and when they let Greg Hardy continue to play, and you know so on and so forth. I mean, it was just a bad week for the NFL a few weeks back, and all we were talking about was some of the things that were transpiring off the field and none of the things that were happening on the field. We all like to talk about things on the field. We don't want to talk about the things off the field. So bottom line is this. I don't think Andrew Peterson will play again this year. I think he should, but I don't think he will, and I think it's in the best interest of the league to keep him out for now and hopefully for his standpoint, you know, learn a lesson, become a better person, become a better father and come back next season and, and get ready to play some big time football, whether it's with the Vikings or somewhere else. Adrian Peterson's career is not over. Adrian Peterson still is going to play. And we all know Nike has terminated the deal with Adrian Peterson. So he's done with Nike. Nike has terminated Adrian peterson they end they end their relationship with Adrian Peterson at the time back in September they had suspended the contract with Adrian Peterson, but now they have officially terminated the contract and so they're done at this point with Adrian Peterson still we' we'll hope solo with Adrian Peterson they're done, and you know here's the thing I think Adrian Peterson. People forget about it. I think after the next few years, after you know, he, he's got to he's got to find a way to to clean his image. And and, and you know, he, Adrian Peterson always had a decent image. Always a guy that was talked about positively, and a lot of people were fond of Adrian Peterson as a player. A lot of people were as a person, in some respect. People were fond of Adrian Peterson. They were fond of him. And he had a good reputation in the community, good reputation. And, you know, obviously, you know, the situations with multiple, what, six different uh, baby mothers and, and and that whole situation, you know, six kids, six different women. I mean, you know, that's not always a good look. But he, even with all that, he still has found a way to keep his image going pretty good. I mean, his image was was, was decent. I mean, he had a decent image. He had a decent image, and now, now, his image has taken a hit a big time hit, a big time hit his image has taken and hopefully for him and his sake, he can you know turn this thing around. they'll have an opportunity they'll have an opportunity I mean Michael Vick was able to come back from the whole dog fighting situation, and people still talk about it, but for the most part, I would think most people most people have forgotten about it. I mean, you're always going to have the segment of the population that that won't forget. But I, I think a good portion of people have, have moved on from it, and I think a good portion of people will move on from this if Adrian Peterson plays his cards right. If he plays his cards right, he will be able to move on from this. If he doesn't, well, he's going to have issues. Well, not issues, but he, he's not going to be able to get his image back and not going to be able to get those endorsements. But I think also this, if he comes back next season and drops a 2,000-yard season, somebody's going to give him an opportunity to endorse their products. Somebody will. Somebody most definitely will. So the key is for Adrian Peterson, keep a low profile, I think. Stay out of the limelight. Stay out of trouble stay out of and and I don't think he should come back this year. I mean, I think he should be allowed to come back. But I don't think he will be allowed to come back, and then since he won't be allowed to come back, I think it's best that he keeps a low profile. And I think if he does that and comes back next season, whether whether it's with the Vikings somewhere else and has a dominating uh, season and puts up big time numbers, then people will forget. I truly believe that. But we shall see. Alex Rodriguez. Well, it's came out now it's came out now that alex rodriguez has admitted to using peds during his time with the yankees i mean is that a joke is, is is that a joke or what i mean tell you know raise your hand if you really raise your hand if you really really thought alex rodriguez did not use performance enhancing drugs with the new york yankees and raise them high cuz I don't see anybody raising their hand. I don't see you. I don't see those hands in the air. I don't see it. But anyway, Alex Rodriguez at this point in time, and here's the reality of the situation. He's juiced most of his career. He's juiced a good portion of his career. Again, may not have played a single down a single inning clean may not have played a single clean inning and the thing about alex rodriguez and, and and i always bring this up when when i'm talking about alex rodriguez in this story i could remember when alex rodriguez was supposed to be the one who was going to be the clean home run champion who was going to be that guy who won the home run champion who who was going to get the home run record and the most home runs in baseball history, and we were all going to be proud of him. I remember that. I remember that. I'm sure you remember that. And so it's, it's you know, it's it's disappointing, but also it's life. It's also life. It's life that, you know, we as people are not perfect is life that people will let you down time after time. People will let you down time after time. It's just the reality of life. No one is perfect. Don't make these guys deities. Make these guys what they are, humans. Think about these guys as being human beings. They're not gods. They're humans. And Alex Rodriguez, you know, obviously... He's a guy that on some level is a cheat. He's a cheat. But her old saying is, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And so Alex Rodriguez, Alex Rodriguez, as much as he's denied and denied and denied and, you know, said I didn't do this and that and went on Mike Francesa's show and says, you know, I'm, I'm this is not fair, and I'm innocent, I'm clean, and, you know, all those things that he said. No one believed that. It was just unbelievable to believe that Alex Rodriguez was clean. It was just unbelievable. With all the evidence pointing to Alex Rodriguez, I mean, everybody rolled over except for Alex Rodriguez. Everybody took. Their punishment and went home except for Alex Rodriguez he kept fighting kept fighting and kept fighting including dramatically walking out of a hearing remember that walked out of the hearing he walked out of the hearing but you look at Alex Rodriguez and, and here's the question I'll ask you and this is the honest question would you use, I mean, and Alex Rodriguez, in excess of $400 million he's earned over his career. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. My question to you, would you use performance-enhancing drugs to get 10% of that? Heck, most of you would probably use performance-enhancing drugs if it helped you get 5% of that. Heck, most of you would use performance-enhancing drugs if you could get 1% of that. 1% of that is about $4 million. Most of you would. So the reality is he cheated, yes. He took performance-enhancing drugs, yes. But also at the same time, a lot of people did. A lot of people cheated. It's, I mean, it's a story, obviously. But, I mean, I'm just like, okay, he cheated. Okay. Most people would cheat if given the opportunity to put them in position to make a whole bunch of money, to make a boatload of money. Most people would. Most people would. Most people would. And Alex Rodriguez has done whatever he can do to make himself successful. He's done everything he could do. He's cheated. And, again, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And he cheated to put himself in position to be successful. Would he have been successful without performance enhancing drugs? Maybe. But maybe not to the level of success that he had. Maybe not to, you know, not – the 400 plus million that he's earned. Maybe he wouldn't get that. And he's had a lot of financial success. I mean, he's had a lot of baseball success in terms of the 654 home runs, in terms of the numbers. Reality is Alex Rodriguez probably will never sniff the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame and Alex Rodriguez won't be synonymous with each other. Alex Rodriguez will not make the Hall of Fame. I I think he can forget about that. And I think he could have forgot about that a long time ago, actually. I don't know if this even I think the nail was already in the coffin in terms of him in the Hall of Fame. The nail was already in the coffin. coffin. I think Barry Bonds makes the the, uh, Hall of Fame. I think he makes a Hall of Fame at some point because he's he's a Hall of Famer without the numbers. But Alex Rodriguez, fifth all-time in home runs. 108 home runs behind Barry Bonds. I mean, he's six home runs behind Willie Mays. Another 60 home runs behind Babe Ruth. So, I mean, he's, I mean, he has to stick around long enough to get to Babe Ruth, but he won't get to Barry Bonds. He won't hit another 108 home runs unless, unless he finds another Anthony Bosch type of situation and and then juices again. Maybe he could turn back the clock and start clocking home runs at an all-time level again. Maybe, but doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter at this point. Because he's not going to be recognized. Who's, I mean, Griffey, he's recognized as a guy who did it the right way. Clean home run guy. Clean. Mays, Aaron, Ruth, clean. Sosa in the top ten, not so clean. McGuire, number ten, not so clean. And I don't think McGuire or Sosa make the Hall of Fame. I mean, you're looking at this list. Manny Ramirez, Randy Ramirez, excuse me, dirty, 14 all-time in home runs. Rafi Palmero, I've never did it, period. 569 home runs. He won't sniff the Hall of Fame. So you're looking at these numbers and looking at these guys who will never, ever sniff. Smell the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame numbers, but the way they went about getting those Hall of Fame numbers is something that will keep them out of the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame numbers. Hall of Fame numbers for for Alex Rodriguez. Hall of Fame numbers for Sammy Sosa. Hall of Fame numbers, Mark McGuire, Hall of Fame numbers, Ralphie Palmero, Hall of Fame numbers, Manny Ramirez. Hall of Fame numbers, Barry Bonds, and he will get in, but the rest won't. They cheated. They used the juice, the cream, the clear. They used it all. And then there's a story about Alex Rodriguez from Deadspin. And this is according to, not Deadspin, this is from the New York Daily News, that Alex Rodriguez peed on his cousin's floor peed on his cousin's floor Rodriguez uh, uh, the wife of Alex Rodriguez's cousin the guy who was a part of this whole situation with Alex Rodriguez and Anthony Bosch and everything in that whole thing who, who knew about these things and knew about all the things going on with Alex Rodriguez and, and performance enhancing drugs and he said this his wife Carmen Sukart the wife of Alex Rodriguez's cousin, Yuri said a few years back, Alex Rodriguez once came to their house and threatened threatened them to keep their mouth shut, and then he peed on their floor. Peeed on their floor. And this is from the New York Daily News. Alex Rodriguez is a bleep. He's a bad person. A bad person. She says Alex Rodriguez is evil. He's an evil man. He's got a lot of money, but he's evil. Money sometimes makes you an evil. Money money does some things to you. Money does things to you that that it it, it changes people. It changes people. Peeing on the cousin's floor. peeing on the floor, vowed to destroy their family, according to Carmen Sukart. I mean, mocked her husband. Mocked her husband, who was, was getting open heart surgery, operations on his legs and Alex Rodriguez is mocking him. This is according to Carmen Sukhart. The husband. The wife, I should say, of Yuri Sukhart, who is the cousin of Alex Rodriguez. She went on to say he was so arrogant he came into my house like he thought he was God. Money makes you think that way sometimes. When you make four hundred plus million dollars throughout the course of your life in the sport of baseball, you can see how You would think you were God. I mean, you're urinating on someone's floor. That is the ultimate disrespect. The ultimate disrespect. The ultimate disrespect. And, you know, again, these are allegations, and it could be true, could not be true, who knows. But she says she believes that Alex Rodriguez did this to mark his territory, almost dog-like in some respect. She wanted to say, I want you to put this in the paper. Alex is so poor, the only thing he has is money. He sleeps with his money. He will die with his money. He is the devil. He is evil. Those are the words of Carmen Sukart talking about Alex Rodriguez as she told the New York Daily News. She, he is evil. He's an evil man, this Alex Rodriguez. And if it's true, money makes you do some things, and 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 it makes you sometimes not a good person. They say the love of money is the root of all is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. And so, Alex Rodriguez, and, and it is possible. It's possible? I mean, according to reports, I mean, he put some HGH in his belly at a nightclub, at a Miami nightclub. So he's out there getting his club on, and this guy is sticking needles in his belly, sticking needles in his belly as he's getting his club as he's getting his club on. As he's maybe, I mean, hey, let me let me let me stick this. Hold on, let me go in the bathroom. Let me stick this in my belly. And I stick this in my belly. I got to go back on this dance floor. I got. I'm in the club, baby. Get me, get my drink. On. I'm in the club. I mean, he's sticking needles in his belly in nightclub bathrooms. That's what he's doing. A like, You know this. This, this guy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. I. I mean, it's 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 an interesting story. It, it definitely is an interesting story. It it definitely is and and you know and it's just it's not surprising. It's not surprising. And you know, he did whatever he had to do to to prolong his career. He did whatever he had to do. to to be successful. He did whatever he had to do. He did whatever he had to do. I mean, you know, whether sticking needles in his belly at the club, he did what he had to do to, to, to try to prolong his career. He did what he had to do to try, I guess, to be successful. He did what he had to do. And there's a possibility There is a possibility, who knows, that, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. He started, according to the DEA's report about Alex Rodriguez, he started from late 2010 to October 2012. He admitted to getting cream, lozenges, things of that nature, gummies. and then he did all these things, all these things in order to to try to prolong his career, the question becomes, was it worth it? And I think only time will be the judge of that. Time will tell us whether it was worth it. Time will be the judge of that. Time will be the judge of whether or not Alex Rodriguez will be able to to be able to change things in his life. I mean, time I mean not change things, but time will be the judge of whether or not he will be able to be able will he be able to uh go through his life without any health issues. Any health problems can he, can he avoid those health problems in his life? Will he be able to do that? Will he be able to do that? And, and that's the key. Health-wise, I mean, hopefully he's okay. You know, sticking all these things in his body, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully he's okay. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. And we'll see what happens with Alex Rodriguez. Only time would be to judge that. I want to thank Marlon Gill for stopping by. Also. Actually we're having some technical difficulties. While we get those straightened away. Hello and welcome to go for it. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference. To beat the Miami Heat, the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but don't doesn't see it doesn't mean
0: anything in the playoffs. Time When the playoffs comes, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything.
1: I uh, was trying to throw you. Know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can. Tempt married women, we've seen you, you You have a pedigree. we see what you can do.
0: We've seen it. I, would,
1: I want to thank Marlon Gill for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other shows at blogtalkradio.com slash Where You can listen to this show and other shows. Follow us on Twitter at go for game For everybody here at Go4, we hope you have a great day. See you later. Take care. Bye!